There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. One one point nine high FM. This is Soul to Soul on a Friday afternoon here in a little bit of a cool Johannesburg. Oh, no, actually, at the moment it's actually quite nice and and warm and a wonderful warm warm welcome to our studio to joining us here at High uh, FM on a Friday afternoon as we get ready for Shabbos Kodesh Parshas Emor. Another beautiful beautiful Shabbos and uh, Shabbos which has so much to talk about and so much to. To, to offer, let's just perhaps, uh, uh, start with a, a nice little idea and maybe a, a, uh, a story. Everyone likes to hear a, a, a story. Just, uh, something from the end of the Pasha. The Pasha talks about that there was an incident where it says, uh, Vayetze ben Isha Yisraelis, the son of a Isra- Israelite man, went out. And he was also Vubenisha. He was the son of a Egyptian man, and he went amongst the Jewish nation, and they and they they contended with the with the camp, the son of the Israeli woman, and this Israeli man, Posigan in Chavdalit. So this kind of as the Posca introduces us. To the incident of what we call the, the Megadev, someone who blasphemed against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's a certain individual who got into a fight and God forbid if such thing can be said, blasphemed the name of, of the Rabbani Shlalem itself, as in fact it says in the, in the Pasha, this is in fact a capital crime for which the punishment is, uh, is, is stoning. And the, the, uh, the Posuk uses this expression, Ben Isha Yisraelis, Vayetze, Ben Isha Yisraelis, he went out. So Rashi is uh, interested, what, what does this mean? He went out. So Rashi brings several, uh, shot him several interpretations which address this question. From where did he go out? So the Gemara says, in the name of Rabrachia, that he went out from the above Pasha, from the Pasha that came just before. And I was relating to the, to the weekly Pasha where, where we have an order of certain things and the very, very Pasha that just preceded this one was the Pasha of the placement of the Lechem Haponim, the so-called, uh, showbread that was placed on the shulchan, on the special table, in in the mishkan, and it says, "What did he? That he he scolded and 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 uh, and he said that on the Shabbos, right? Uh, should a king eat this old nine day old a uh, 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 bread? Is that is that covered for Fakadus Baruch Because we know that the the twelve chalas were placed on the shulchan every Shabbos." And the Kainim didn't eat them right away. They, in fact, they ate them only the, the subsequent Shabbos. So this, uh, uh, blasphemer was upset about the, the honor of our Baruch Hu. 
We don't even give uh, a, a normal people such such a uh, old old bread. Should the Hakadosh Baruch Hu, should the king be given bread that's more than than a week than a week old? What kind of what kind of business is 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 that? So the Gera Rebbe, the Imre Emes, says, the Gemara says, we know at the end of Meseches Chagiga that a tremendous nace happened with the lechem upon him, that it stayed fresh for the entire week. Right? It was placed on the shulchan, warm and hot and, and, and fresh, and it remained warm and fresh the entire the entire week. The Gemara even further relates that when the people used to come to Yerushalayim for the uh, for the Shalash for the for the uh, for the festivals, so uh, uh, so they were they were about to return home after spending the whole week in Yerushalayim. So then the Kainim would pick up the Shulchan and show all the people that had come to Yerushalayim the Shulchan with the Lechem Haponim on it, and uh, and they would say, see how. Dear you are before the Rabbanishlan, that he makes a miracle that these breads, these loaves stay hot and fresh for an entire week. So, if so, asked Imran, what was this person's problem? This was not stale bread. It was kind of fresh, piping hot bread straight out of the oven, even after nine days. The bread in the Shulchan was called Lechem Haponim, which literally means the bread of the face. And Imri Emes explains that there's a posuk in Mishle which says, Kemayim ponim ponim, just like when you look in the water, it reflects it face, your, you, it reflects back your face to you. So too, uh, one's heart is reflected back to him by, by another person. And the way, uh, you know, it's the, the, the concept is that the the way Reuven, let's say, perceives another person, the way he perceives his, fra- his friend Shimon, is the way, you know, the way he feels towards that person, is the way that Shimon is going to perceive him. You know, when someone looks at someone else, and you've got this kind of negative attitude, you've got a scowl on your face, so then the other person, the person who you're scowling at, is going to return that scowl right back to the to the first person, and the same with a smile, right? A a person's facial expressions, right, kind of generate a a, a reciprocal relationship from from the other from the other person. So, this bread, he says, was called the lechem aponim. So the Imramus explains that the way someone looked at it. Is the way it was. In other words, when a normal person looked at Lechem upon him at the end of the Shalash Regoyim and it saw that it was still piping hot, he would say, wow, look at the amazing chesed of, of the Rabban Shalom to us. Look at how dear we are to him. However, someone who had sort of his own, his own hidden uh, agenda or he was looking at it with a kind of a, a jaundiced eye and with a negative Attitude to everything, looked at the lechem upon him and thought, cold, stale bread. And, and that's, in fact, the way people, people are. The way you look at people is the way they look, they look at you. 
that becomes our 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 reality. Even though in reality the lechem upon him were, they were hot and they were fresh. Nothing more says that was that was how how they were. But since his perception was that it was cold and and stale because of his preconceived uh, uh, notions and his own agenda, that's that's the way it is. And that's 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 the way it is with with everything. You know, one of the central parts of of, of the parsha uh, is is the parsha of the of the uh, of the mayadim. Of the all, all the yam tovim and uh, and even though it starts we're going to talk about those place those things that are called mayadim those things that are called yamim tovim the first thing that's brought is 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 Shabbos and we know Shabbos is an amazing day but it's not it's not a mayad why is it at the beginning of the of the of the mayadim so so one one in the comment to explain it's 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 a it's an object lesson. For us, because uh, uh, we understand sometimes that you know a yom tov is 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 a special thing. It's it's it comes once a year. It's worth getting up. It's worth getting aside. It's worth kind of uh, 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 changing your daily routine, your normal schedule to prepare for a special yom tov. But uh, you know, Shabbos Shabbos comes every single week, every seven days. There's a there's there's a Shabbos. And, and why should I like make? Why should I get up and make special, special uh, attempts and special efforts for for Shabbos? It's just so regular. It's just so normal. It's just not much part of the routine. Why should I go out of my way for for it? But if if we are, if we are Moshe uh, Nefesh, and we do we do show that Shabbos is, is is important to us, then that's going to that's going to be something that's going to ha- have a tremendous effect on us all all the time. It's, uh, so an amazing story this week about a uh, a, a religious Afrum Jew in in America who uh, unfortunately got himself in a little bit of a problem with the uh, with the law and uh, was put on trial for some kind of as white white collar uh, a crime and was actually actually convinced convicted and sentenced to nine and a half years. In a federal penitentiary, not maximum security, but sort of moderate security uh, uh, facility uh, uh, somewhere in 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 the USA, and obviously he was the only the only Jew there. You know, it's uh, generally prisons aren't necessarily the highest class of 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 people, but he was there, and yeah, they're very obviously in jails. They they have quite strict rules, and they and they have certainly enforce. Enforce them, and one of the uh, rules they have was that the prisoners wear these kind of the these kind of jumpsuits, um, and the rule is that you're not allowed to have anything in your pockets. I'm not, I'm not quite sure why they even make pockets on these things if they don't want you to have anything in them. But they have pockets, but the pockets have to be empty, and they would uh, often just grab prisoners and do random. Inspections to ensure that, in fact, they were they were uh, they were empty. And this this from Drew one one fine morning happened to be a, a Friday was walking you know in in it was one of the times they were allowed out. They are generally allowed out of their cells for meals and for exercise etc. He was uh, accosted by the security and they did a random inspection. And they found in one of his pockets a a postage stamp. You were allowed to have 
postage stamps. You were allowed to write letters to your family. You just couldn't have them in your in your pocket. And he was found with a postage stamp in his pocket and was brought immediately and was sentenced for a disciplinary uh, hearing and came up that uh, that that afternoon uh, and brought to the to the to the local jail judge uh, and finally the case came up and the judge heard the evidence and uh, decided that he needed to be sentenced and he would be sentenced to 14 days of being locked in his in his cell he wouldn't be able to go out of his cell for 14 days which is quite a quite a sentence because you know you're alone and and you need that exercise you need that ability to go you can go you can go a little bit crazy in in a cell for 14 days yes he had some things there had some books whatever it was but still it was a it was a harsh sentence he said look if that's what the law the uh, that's what the rule is uh, uh, i i i accept it so the judge says to him okay will you please sign this sheet that basically says you admit you did this crime and you accept the sentence and the man looked outside and saw that it was already it was already dark and dark on friday meant it was shabbos and he said i'm not going to sign i'm sorry I, i'm i'm a, i'm a jew and my religion forbids me from signing on shabbos and i'm not going to i'm not going to do so so the judge got very upset and threatened him that if you don't sign this thing right now after you finish your 14 days of, of lockdown, you're going to be sentenced to 30 days in solitary confinement. And that is a real kind of hell on earth because there's just no windows, no one around except maybe a few rats and, and mice. And we'll come up, carry on with the conclusion of the story after this ad break. This is Soul to Soul on 101.9 High FM, the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. <music> There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. We are back on your radio on Soul to Soul on Erev Shabbos, the important times for this Shabbos, as we always do at this at this time. The latest time for lighting Shabbos candles this afternoon is at 10 minutes past 5. 5.10 is the latest time. Make sure you get them up by then. Earlier, if at all possible, uh, Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at 1 minute past 6. 6.01 is the Unfortunately, the termination of Shabbos. A lot of interesting things coming up this week. Uh, on Sunday, we have uh, Pesach Sheni, the celebration of, of what used to happen in the time of the Temple. If you weren't able to bring the Paschal sacrifice on its correct day, on the 14th day of Nisan, there was a second chance to get it right on a month later, on the 14th of year. That's Pesach Sheni. And then, of course, we have later in the week, on Wednesday night and Thursday, we get to the 33rd day of the Omer, classically known as Lag Boimer, a very, very special, uh, uh, perhaps often misunderstood day in the, in the Jewish, Jewish calendar, but quite a significant one. There's a lot going on 
in town at all the various uh, centers, shuls, schools, etc. On that uh, on that night, check your local your local uh, sort of events digest for what is what's happening on that uh, on that uh, on that night. Uh, again, we're reading Pirkei Avot, so this week is uh, the third Perik of Pirkei Avot, chapter chapter three. Keep keep learning it and keep and keep growing. So here's our Jew standing before the judge, and he says, "If you don't sign this thing, I'm going to put you not only in 14 days of lockdown, but then 30 days of solitary confinement." And the Jew says, "Look, I, I, I'm not trying to be objectionable. I'm not trying to kind of uh, 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 you know go against your authority, but my religion doesn't allow me to to sign." So the judge says, "Ah, I, I see. So so you're obviously you know, embarrassed to do it." In front of people, so I'll tell you what, we're going to walk out of the room, and you just go sign the document. When I come back, it'll be signed, and everything is fine, and, and, uh, and, 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 and of course, the Jew would not sign. The, the man walked back, the document was unsigned, uh, he lost his rag a bit, uh, added on the 30 days of solitary confinement, and then, by some legal hitch, uh, uh, kind of, uh, signed the document himself, and Ariad was led away and, and locked down in his in his cell, where he remained for the next fourteen days. Don't know how he endured it. You know, it was like every hour seems like a day, and every day seems like like a year. As I say, he had a few things, but it it was truly, truly torturous. Some point during the fourteen days, he heard, thought he heard a huge commotion outside screaming and yelling and stuff but of course completely divorced from reality and from the situation he wasn't even aware what was what was going on and he had his own little sphere so Omer finally counting down and eventually the 14 days were were over and the cell was opened and he walked out and there standing in front of his cell was a a mountain of of a man a man of a sort of Gargantuan proportions, height and width, and he says to him, "Are you a Jew?" So he says, "Yes, I am." He says, "Have you been locked down in your cell for the last while?" He says, "Yes, I have." He says, "Well, you should know you are the luckiest man around, because a couple of days ago there was another prisoner who got into his head that you wear kind of glasses with kind of gold." Gold frames, and he got into his head that, yeah, obviously being Jewish and Jews have all the money in the world, those glasses must be real, real gold, and he was determined to get those glasses. So somehow, even in a in a moderate security jail, he found himself a a knife, and and uh, was looking for you with obviously not very uh, not very nice. Uh, intentions couldn't find you because you were in lockdown, and, and some of the other prisoners accosted him. There was a bit of a fight, and uh, this man with the knife lost not only lost the fight, lost his lost his uh, life. But he says, "You don't have to worry anymore, because I am gonna, I'm gonna protect protect you." Subsequently, the uh, sentence of the solitary confinement was uh, struck off the record i think his family interceded with the with the authorities but he was a man who was prepared 
to to be moist and nefesh, or to not sign that document on on Shabbos, and and got the and got the payback. And and the reality is that even though God forbid we should never have a test like that, but for all of us, on some level, Shabbos demands some kind of a self-sacrifice. For some people, it might be turning off the phone. For some people, it might be just resisting temptation to go see I don't know the scores or whatever it is that that is important in your in, in, in your life or, or, you know, get out of bed and go to shul or, or, or learn something or spend family time, whatever it is. We all have situations where we're called upon to, to do things that we may not necessarily find easy. And, and Shabbos says, well, do it. And, and the dividends will come back many, many times, many, many times over. And, and that's, that's the introduction to the festivals. Remember Shabbos. Remember Shabbos, make it holy. Remember that's, yeah, these these things as sometimes they're fun sometimes, but even where it's difficult, even where you know it comes Pesach and you got to clean the house and it comes Rosh Hashanah, you got to go and pray and these things aren't necessarily don't necessarily come naturally, but remember and then, and the Shabbos is a lesson of that. Be nefesh, be prepared to to uh, do even that which is not so appealing to you, and you will definitely be the winner, the winner from it. We are talking about the laws of the Tchum of Shabbos, of the areas where a person is or isn't allowed to walk on, on Shabbos. And, and last week we had a discussion about someone who errs uh, and walks out of his Tchum. We actually discussed both someone who did it in, inadvertently and someone even who did it, uh, who did it intentionally, um, and uh, and and what he was allowed to do, what he wasn't allowed to do, and uh, where we would end up, where we'd have to spend, where we'd have to spend uh, the 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 Shabbos. So what we want to talk about uh, today is what happens if there was a bit of a scheduling uh, a glitch and a person took a flight, which again was supposed to, let's say. Have arrived at the the airport of his of his destination uh, before Shabbos, but you know sometimes things don't always work the way we want them to, and he arrived in fact after Shabbos began. It's generally a very very good idea to avoid, if at all possible, traveling in any situation where even if on paper, yes, it sounds good, I should be able to make it, but should and could and actually did, don't always add up to to, to the same thing. And it behooves a person to take the precautions and uh, arrange one's schedule in such a way, unless obviously this is absolutely no no possibility of getting, of getting to where he needs to get to long before the onset of Shabbos. So what does he do and how does he sort out the situation? Come back after the break, and we'll discuss that for a moment or two. This is 101.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul. We're coming right back. There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 Chai FM. One hundred one point nine. We're back on your radio here. We are discussing someone who 
ended up arriving on a flight after Shabbos had already begun. So the reality is that his tchum of Shabbos, the area is now fixed by the moment he lands in the, uh, in, in the airport. And therefore it's forbidden for him to leave that place, uh, and, uh, and travel more than 2,000 Amas in any, in any, uh, direction. And since, generally speaking, uh, most uh, airports are surrounded by by fences. It's one way to uh, for security, and there would be hopefully on the airport uh, sort of campus in that area some place where he could where he could uh, sleep. So then that whole area, the whole airport, would become like his for Amos. And he'd be able to go to the perimeter fence of the airport, uh, theoretically, and be able to walk another 2,000 hours, approximately a kilometer from, from, uh, from, from there. If the airport was not completely surrounded, if it was open at all, so then, uh, the moment that the landing gear of that, uh, plane touches the, the, uh, the ground, so then that already fixes his place, and and obviously the plane doesn't park on the runway where it lands, and it uh, it continues to travel, and sometimes even more than a kilometer, it travels from the runway all the way until it reaches the the uh, the terminal or, or or something like that. So then he has already. By the time he's already gotten to the terminal, he's already left his tomb. He's already traveled way beyond 2,000, 2000 amas, and he would be restricted to four amas from where he is. And, and therefore, the reality would be that he would then have to remain on the airplane until Shabbos is over. However, obviously, uh, the security are not going to allow him to remain on a plane, besides the fact that probably two hours after after it lands, it's off to some other wonderful uh, 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 location in in the in the world. So he's going to have to uh, uh, go off the plane. So we allow him to go off the plane, and if he is in a place surrounded by by walls, he's in a terminal. So then he can again any area that is surrounded, he can he can walk in that area. Uh, because he had no choice. Really, he should have stayed in the plane, but once he's being forced off the, off the plane, he can walk in within the confine, within the, the walled, within the walled, uh, within the walled area. If, however, his flight was for a, a mitzvah ob- objected, even though, uh, even though the, the plane actually already extended beyond this home by traveling more than a, kilometer from touchdown until it got to the uh to the uh terminal and that that area that I travel wasn't necessarily uh, uh surrounded he would be allowed to uh walk two thousand amas from the from the entrance of the uh of the of the plane in in any uh in any uh in any direction. What about a a ship? If a ship arrives in port on on Shabbos, so again you can go off the ship and you'd be able to travel 
2,000 Amas in every direction. Why? Because until the ship actually got to the, to the port, it was, uh, you know, certainly if it's a large ship, the, the, the ship was more than, uh, 10 Amas, more than, let's say, a, a meter above, above the level of the sea bed or whatever, whatever you would call it at that, uh, at that, uh, at that point. Uh, therefore he's not really within the Tchum, so the Tchum only came into effect when he actually arrived in the port, only when he literally came, uh, to the, to the docking point. Sometimes not even then, uh, uh, does the, does the Tchum actually take, uh, take place. Obviously if the port was completely surrounded by, by walls, then we, we, again, we were to measure the 2000 Amas from the perimeter from the perimeter fencing, and you could walk uh, 2,000 amas from from uh, from them. Um, and if a person left left this tchum and then by mistake uh, uh, went back into it, so again he can he can still go back, and whatever his previous tchum was, he could uh, go to that limit uh, 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 again. But that was only if it was. Uh, inadvertently, if you left the tchum on purpose, even if he's now sort of fablonged and he ends up walking back by mistake, so he's lost it all and uh, really isn't allowed to go very far. But he can still uh, 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 walk if he's in the city within within the within the uh, within the city. Um, okay, and just one, and, and just like in the same way that a person is not allowed to go from his Tchuman Shabbos, so, so too, obviously, uh, wh- whatever, we, I mean, we discussed before, that your objects, your possessions have the same Tchum as you, they also cannot, cannot leave the, the, the Tchum, and, uh, they, they have the same restrictions as yourself. Well, that's about going to be, as much time as we have for for this week and for this uh, encounter, and it's just as always, the, the take the opportunity to show my Torah, to show my gratitude to all of you for for listening, because only because you listen that we actually have uh, an opportunity and have this uh, and have this show. And uh, just want to wish you all a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos. Stay warm, stay stay tuned, stay inspired, keep learning, keep growing, and please God. Have a wonderful, wonderful Pesach Sheni and like Bomer when it comes. And for the moment, to each and every one of us, a good Shabbos.